Tier 7, elevating you to the highest level to create the greatest good. And here's your Tier 7 coach, Coach T-Bone. All right, what's up, what's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to the Thriving Momentum. Yes, this is Coach T-Bone here at Tier 7. All right, where we empower you to shift and to create your new world. All right, hope everybody's doing great out there. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, the smoke is clearing up a, a little bit. There's still a lot of particulates out there in the air here in California. Um, but, you know, we're still waiting for some rain. Maybe it'll come at some point or not. All right, so today we're going to talk uh, a little bit, and uh, those of you that are familiar, remember we're talking about shifting, shifting from those different tiers, uh, hopefully up to tier seven up in that area. You know, when we think about uh, the number one issue that actually stops individual from success, well, those of you that, of course, have been on the website and you've taken the course, you know exactly what that is. And so if not, I want to encourage you to go up there, sign up for the course, get those strategies and then start using them. But today we're going to discuss and we're going to talk about issue number two, because you already know what number one is. So we're going to drop some knowledge on number two. All right. Where does this come from? You know, this always comes, like I said, when I finish working with clients and things and uh, things are manifesting, whatever in the session, I'm like, okay, you know what? That would be a good podcast to talk about. So I was working with a client and this was the, the first session. And I noticed that this client, this, this client would just practically uh, apologize for stuff that she didn't need to apologize for. And it reminded me, I was hosting a, a men's uh, leadership tier seven. It was a three day workshop retreat. And so it was like a master class and it was a small group of executives. So I had about 12. And so um, for two of the days, of course, I do the cooking myself. Those of you that I have been to my workshops know that I used to be a chef. So, you know, uh, for two of the days I cook the food myself. And then like on the third day we go out or and eat, have someone else do the cooking. And everyone tells me, though, yo, your food's off the chain, Coach t -Bell. I'm like, yes, thank you. Thank you. No, throwing it down especially when I throw it on my uh, signature dish, which is an herb encrusted salmon with rustic New England chive potatoes and a reduction lemon sauce with roasted asparagus tips. Woo, yeah, you know the rest of the story. So anyway, so on one morning of the um, coaching workshop retreat, I made some um, buckwheat organic uh, buttermilk pancakes. And so one of the execs, they start apologizing um, by saying that he liked pumpkin pancakes. Okay. Well, of course I didn't make, I didn't make pumpkin pancakes. So, um, so they weren't going to get any because <laughs> I didn't cook any. Now, if he had shared with me that he enjoyed pumpkin pancakes ahead of time, you know me, I would have probably thrown down some, just a few, you know, just cause I'm a nice guy like, like that. So anyway, it, it turned into this unnecessary apologetic groveling for no reason. And it was starting to, you know, get under my skin. You know, even coaches, we got stuff. I'm like, you're bro, bro. I said, finally. It's like, come on. I said, bro, you got to get a hold on this apologizing for everything when there is no need. Okay. So kind of end up going on a little bit more and a little bit more. And I'm just not, well, 
you know, it's like, we're just not going to go there. So that was one of the things actually we had to work on. But, you know, we all are guilty of that. And most of us are familiar with those, right? It's when those little inner critic voices come out, right? And so we're all familiar with those nagging thoughts that tell us that we're not good enough or they cast doubt on our goals and they undermine our accomplishments. And so these thoughts, they might be there to greet us, whatever, when we first glimpse at ourselves in the mirror in the morning, right? So we look at there and you start saying, oh man, you know, I'm just not so attractive. I'm not so handsome. I'm, I'm not that pretty, whatever, or you're fat or you're, you know, well, what a slob, you know, look at, look at your hair, look at your waistline, all these different type of things. Or this inner critic sometimes meets us at work, right? Oh, you, you're under too much pressure. You're, you'll never get everything done. Look, why are you doing all this work? No one even notices you. Man, I've been there, especially in the corporate world. Ooh, or you should just give up. So it's even there to critique, let's say, our relationships, maybe our closest relationship. You know what? She doesn't really love you, or he doesn't He doesn't really love you, or no one could care about you, or it's never going to last. Uh, uh, there's no need to, to just to be vulnerable. So that critical inner voice is formed oftentimes. And I've noticed, Lisa, when I'm coaching, that oftentimes it forms from some type of painful life experience, right? In which either we're a part of, we witness, or we experience some hurtful attitudes, you know, towards us or maybe someone close to us. And so then as we grow up, we unconsciously adopt and we integrate this pattern of um, destructive thoughts and thinking, whatever, towards our self. Especially for those, you know, when I'm working with clients, and like I said, oftentimes uh, when I'm working with clients, because one of the three things I know when we're working is for me is that trauma, those crises. So sometimes when I'm coaching individuals, they have um, some type of abuse history. So maybe it's early neglect, abuse, whatever in childhood. And so what happens, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a little, little nerdy here, not too much, but it's like uh, during that neglect or whatever what's going on during childhood, that abandonment forces the child to actually merge their identity with the superego. Now, you guys, all right, let's go back to Psychology 101 because I know you guys that have taken uh, your courses. Usually you had to take one, right? And so remember you had your id, your ego, and your superego, right? And so the superego was all the way on the one side, whatever you could call it, the, the right side. And that was where your brain was picking up all these different rules and protocols and whatever it was that you learned in life from your caretakers, from your parents. And so in order, right, to be accepted, uh, to get the love and attention, well, the superego says, yeah, you always do what's right, right? You behave, you're good, you follow all these rules, okay? Whereas remember the ids on the other side, like, hey, come on, come on, let's have a great time, right? And then, of course, our ego is in the middle kind of, balancing the the two so hopefully we're not going too far to the superego and not too far to the id okay but all just the pleasure hedonistic wanting but what happens of course is sometimes because of whatever the neglect the abandonment whatever that superego side gets stuck into working overtime to achieve really what is impossible and pretty much what it's doing it's it's moving us into the idea of perfection okay so that's how it's trying to, to compensate for that 
So now your brain's trying to find a, a formula. So just think about yourself as a little kid. Your brain's trying to find this formula to, to win over your parents, your caretaker, so you can get this love and acceptance, right? And so you embrace that perfectionism pretty much as a strategy. And so by doing that, then it's going to be less dangerous for you. People are going to engage you more. Your parents are going to love you more. And so we do that by, well, I'll do that. My strategy is I'll become smart. I'll become helpful. I'll become pretty. I'll become flawless. Okay. And by doing that, then I'll be accepted and I will be cared for. So that's where we we'll kind of give you, where's that little inner critic coming from? Well, we're going over to the way, way over to the super ego side. Okay. And it's kind of getting stuck there. Now let's make a little distinguish uh, here because we know what we're talking about, we all get trapped in our inner critic and it pops up so many times for many of us, especially, you know, when we're working on things, we're trying to be successful, uh, trying to forge our steps, whatever out there in the world, whether it be business relationships, leadership, and that inner critic often steps in. Now, the thing though, we all, then have to distinguish is because people will say, wait, now is that my inner critic or is that my conscience? Okay. And that's really important because many people, uh, if they stop listening to their inner, I'm going to say their critical inner voice, they feel that, well, I'm going to really let, I'm going to lose touch with my conscience. Okay. Now this is the thing. The critical inner voice is really not a trustworthy moral guide like a conscience. Okay. So on the contrary, what happens is the critical inner voice is degrading and it's punishing. It's often it's leading us to some unhealthy decisions. And so what it is, it's those negative voices that tend to increase our feelings. So you're trying, you're trying to distinguish, okay, is this my inner critical voice or is this my conscience? Okay, so if the voices are making me feel feelings of self-hatred, okay, especially without motivating us to change whatever the undesirable quality or act whatever in a constructive manner, okay, then it is the critical inner voice, okay? So that means it is not our conscience. And so we really have to be on the lookout. We have to really making sure that working through our telescope and we are really looking to figure out which one it is. All right, guys, but you know what time it is. So let's go ahead and let's do it. Hey, consider this your wake up call. Boom. What was that? Me dropping some knowledge on you. All right. So let's drop some knowledge. <laughs> go chief. I going to drop. All right. So you're saying, okay, so what do we do to kind of help us to overcome this inner critic? All right. So I'm going to give you some, some things that you can start working on, you know, yourself, like I said, but if you need, uh, I'm going to say a deeper dive into these things, then you know what? Let's do some coaching sessions around them. Um, you know me, Ubuntu. All right. So we're there to help each other. So the first thing we can do when we're talking about trying to overcome some of these inner critics, I'm just going to give you uh, some, some different steps. The first thing I would like you to do, I would like you to actually challenge your critical inner voice, right? So you can take the power over your critical inner voice. So when you become conscious of what it's actually telling you, you can stop it from actually running your life. And so the challenge though is to identify and you got to flush it out. Okay. Flush it out, flush it down, whatever that internal 
covert operation that's going on. So to do this, you've got to be on the lookout for when you slip into bad moods or you become upset. So what you want to do is you want to start investigating. Okay. So you want to ask yourself, Hey, what caused the shift? Okay. So we got to start doing some analysis here. You know, what happened? And most importantly, what did you start telling yourself after the event? Okay. All right. So let's just take the clip, uh, the classical, whatever breakup. And so then after the person, whatever breaks up with you, you start telling yourself, Oh, you know, it's because I wasn't, you know, good looking enough, pretty enough. I wasn't whatever flawless or I wasn't. Okay. So if we're investigating, first of all, what caused the shift? Okay. So what caused the shift that when you were like, you start saying to yourself, well, you know, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough for this. Okay. What happened? And what did you start telling yourself after the event? What did you start telling yourself after the breakup? Okay. So the fact that your mood shifted from feeling, let's just say optimistic or relaxed to feeling down or irritable is probably a sign that you are interpreting the event through your critical inner voice. Okay. So that's, that's really important. So the thing is now that you've identified that critical inner voice and you notice that it's advising you once again, like we said, it's giving you this horrible advice. What is it trying to get you to do? Okay. So that's the next thing I want you to think about. What is it trying to get you to do? Now, when you pinpoint the actions that it is advocating, then you can take control over your critical inner voice. So you can consciously decide to take action against uh, those directives. Okay. By acting in your really own best interest. All right. So try to identify what your critical inner voice is telling you. Okay. Acknowledge that this thought process that it's separate from, let's just say your real point of view. Now remember that your critical inner voice is not a reflection of reality. And remember when we talk about fear, right? Remember our acronym for fear, forgetting everything about reality. When we're acknowledging that critical voice, that's what we're doing. We're buying into that fear. So it's a viewpoint that you adopt it because of whatever, some destructive, whatever experience. So it could be like we said, remember early life experience, could be whatever what's going on, but it's directed toward you that you have internalized it as your own viewpoint. Okay. Now, one way, I'm going to give you a practical way here to differentiate your critical inner voice is to write these thoughts down, but you're going to write them down in second person. So you're going to write them down as you statements. Okay. Say for example, um, a thought like, um, see, I can't get anything right. Okay. Uh, I'll never be successful. And so you would write it down as I already told you there, (laughs) you can't get anything right, or you'll never be successful. So what this does is this has helped you to see that these thoughts, um, that they're, I'm going to say an alien, okay? Like predator, they're an alien point of view and not as true statements. And then notice how hostile they are, this internal enemy. Like when you say, well, you'll never be successful, right? It's like someone's pointing the, the finger at you. Okay. And then also it's, it's when we talk about the power that it gives and takes. So you can respond to your inner critic, like we said, by writing down a more realistic, I'm going to say a compassionate 
evaluation of yourself. So then what you would do is you would write these responses in the first person. So we use the second person. Now we're going to use the first person. So in response to the thought like, well, you're such an idiot. So you would have written that down. You're such an idiot. What you're going to write is, you know what? I may struggle at times, but I'm smart and I'm competent in many ways, right? Because notice idiot is just a whole generalization. <laughs> and that's oftentimes that's one of the issues that we fall into generalizations. Okay. So you could write that. Um, so this exercise, it really is, it, it's, it's meant to, I'm going to say it isn't meant to, to build you up, to boost your ego. Okay. But it's just to show you a kinder, more uh, honest attitude toward yourself. So in other words, you're still being truthful. Okay. So we're not pulling your chain or anything. And then also remember that uh, not to act on the directives of your, your inner critic. I think that's really important. Take actions that represent your own point of view. I mean, who do you want to be? What do you want to aim for? What do you want to achieve? And your critical inner voice, sometimes it might get a little bit louder telling you to stay in line or to not take chances. However, by identifying, separating, like we said, and then acting against this destructive thought process, that inner critic, I promise you, you'll start to grow stronger while your inner critic grows weaker. Here's another thing, though. Sometimes we have to allow those outer voices that are coming from other people, those positive ones, we have to start embracing them. And I noticed that oftentimes, like I said, when I was working with this one individual uh, exec, and that uh, that's one of the things that he wasn't doing. So he was allowing all the inner critical voices to take place, and he wasn't listening to the other information from colleagues, you know, um, other execs that were saying these wonderful things about him. He wasn't embracing them and actually believing them. He was only listening to that inner critical voice. The other thing you want to do, man, the time always goes so fast. The other thing I want to do, I want to make sure we get it, is you want to stay what we say on the right side of yourself. Okay. And that just simply means not listening to your critical inner voice. So there's a balance, okay, between our two different sides. And it's, it's delicate and it can be easily tipped to one side or the other. Remember, we talked about our ego, talked about our super ego and our id. However, we don't need to be the victims of our mood as we tip back and forth between our positive and our negative feelings or low vibrating and high vibrating things about Ourself. So by identifying the critical inner voice and the role that it plays in supporting our negative self-image, we can take action against it and significantly change our lives. We can reject those attitudes that oppose our best interests and diminish our self-esteem. We can even stop those self-defeating, self-destructive baby behaviors. Um, but here's the thing. I always tell my people when I'm coaching with them, Okay, the first thing you want to ask yourself, is it true? And then you go from there. Because if it is, then you know what? I got to be honest with myself. I have to say, you know what? There's some work that I actually need to do. And if not, then I need to like, you know, the duck. I need to let it roll off my back like the water. So that's something I want to give you today when we're talking about tier seven. We're talking about shifting, shifting that critical inner voice. 
And so going from being your own, I'm going to say best self-critic, critic, to being the one who supports, I'm going to say supports truth, but also allows yourself to see the wonderful side, the wonderful things that you bring, the strengths that you actually have, and then working on those. All right, guys, that has been a wrap once again from Tier 7. Hey, guys, remember, go up to the website, tier7coaching.com. Pick up on any things that you need. You know, fill out to win a free coaching session. If that's something that you want to do. There's some other tips and things that you can sign up for. Remember, we're here to empower you to create your new wear. All right, this is Coach T-Bone from Tier 7. We'll see you next time.